0: Hey, and welcome to Theotivity. My name is Thaddeus, and I'm so glad that you joined us for this next episode. This episode is an audio narration of the article, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Theologian, Spy, Martyr, Evangelical. This article was originally written as a research project on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life, examining several of the biographies written on him, and seeing how we can uh, glean from his life for our day to day. I hope you'll enjoy it. Let's jump on in. The Theotivity Podcast. Theotivity is the place where theology and creativity come together. Here you'll find audio narration of articles, episodes exploring the faith, culture, the arts, and media, systematic theology, apologetics, guest interviews with Christian thinkers, creatives, pastors, theologians, and much more. At Theotivity.com, you'll find articles and resources to help you grow in your faith, as well as a portfolio of creative works. Like, share and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a fascinating and compelling life to study. He has captured the minds and hearts of many Christians from various traditions and denominations. His popular writings have inspired many to deeper levels of Christian devotion and community. He bravely stood against the Third Reich in Nazi Germany during the period in history where evil seemed to reign supreme, and his biographies have inspired many. However, Bonhoeffer was not a simple figure, and his complexities make him somewhat of an enigma. His theology in particular seems to have caused quite a stir within some liberal and conservative circles, and would seem like each person makes a Bonhoeffer in their own image. However, despite these complexities, there's much that we can learn from this German theologian. Early years Dietrich Bonhoeffer was born on February 4, 1906, together with his twin sister Sabine in Breslau. He was the sixth of eight, eight siblings Walter, Klaus, Kristal, Karl, Suzanne, and Sabine, and Ursula. His father was a leading psychiatrist and neurologist. His family moved to Berlin in 1912 and his oldest brother, Walter, was killed in World War I in 1918. He was a very talented uh, pianist and his parents thought that he would become a professional musician. He was an exceptional child and decided that he wanted to study theology by the time he was around 14, before the war. By 17, he entered Tübingen University at then Berlin University a year later. He studied there under Adolf von Harnack, among other liberal theologians, and would be influenced greatly by the notable Karl Barth. At 21, he defended his doctoral thesis, The Communion of the Saints, and he defined the position and significance of dialectical theology at a later inaugural dissertation. In 1928, he served as the vicar in Barcelona, where he started a children's worship service, taught a group of boys, and was active in problems of unemployment and homelessness. He was admitted to the theological faculty at Berlin after his second dissertation, Act and Being, in 1930. Later that year, he was sent to Union Theological Seminary in New York for a year of study. There, he became very welcomed in the houses of poor Negro families working to understand the problem of racism, visiting Harlem and participating in Negro youth work. Paul Lehman, commented how, remarkably, Bonhoeffer built relationships with the Negro community and was received as though he were never an outsider. He was fascinated by Negro spirituals, and something about the struggle for equality by African Americans resonated with him. After the walls went up in Germany, he would later introduce his students to these songs. He seemed born to be a teacher and flourished as such. Bonhoeffer, Hitler, and the Justice League of Germany In 1933, Bonhoeffer delivered a radio broadcast on Berlin radio in which he reprimanded the German public for falling after a leader who would become an idol and lead them astray. The broadcast was cut off before he could finish, perhaps the first government action against free speech, an issue which is again relevant in our days. After Hitler became Germany's Chancellor in 1933, the Nazis dissolved the free trade unions publicly burned books by Jewish authors and Nazi opponents. Barth, together with Bonhoeffer, Niemöller, and Jacobi, met to form the Pastors' Emergency League, a sort of Justice League of Germany, but without the spandex superhero suits. This would eventually become the Confessing Church, that was founded in open opposition to the Reich Church. The faith statement for the Confessing Church, which Bonhoeffer authored, unmistakably repudiated Arianism, and the Nazi attempt to get rid of Jewish presence. The actions of Bonhoeffer and these pastors from the Confessing Church serve as an example for us today of not bowing to coercive, corrupt governmental powers that seek to invade the sovereignty of the church's ecclesial matters. However, congregations did not want a young, radical, and antagonistic pastor who was so outspoken. Sound familiar? He then accepted a pastorate in a German congregation in London, not wanting anything to do with the Nazi-German-Christian compromise. Dangerous compromise and faithful resistance. Hitler and his henchmen's deceptive plan for the church initially began in compromise and an identification of their version of Christian faith with national identity. This sort of church-state commingling has been shown to be disastrous to true faith in every country that that has happened, And it's a lesson that we should pay close heed to today. Many Christians today too closely identify their Christian faith to a particular political party or government, which mingles in unbiblical ways, the distinctions between the church's sphere and the state's sphere. The church must never let politics or government to pollute or govern what God has ordained and instituted to be his under the God ordained offices of the church. The German Christian movement, which compromised with the Nazi National Church, ended up throwing away the Old Testament because it was too Jewish and using New Testament scriptures out of context to promote an anti-Semitic agenda. They painted Jesus as a non-Jewish, cruel anti-Semite, which Hitler even called our greatest Aryan hero. Kind of ironic since Jesus was a Jew. Edward Tott said of Bonhoeffer that he was, quote, almost alone in his opinions. He was the only one who considered solidarity with the Jews, especially with the non-Christian Jews, to be a matter of such importance as to obligate the Christian churches to risk a massive conflict with that that state, a risk that could threaten their very existence. Bonhoeffer's solidarity with the Jews possibly reflected his similar solidarity with the Negroes in America, having a natural inclination towards those genuinely oppressed. In 1935, he moved to Finkelwald, where he lived in community with 25 vicars in emergency-built houses. Here, he wrote Life Together in 1938, from his experience of the Christian community and his famous Cost of Discipleship in 1937. Some consider these two books to be the, quote, distillation of his fundamental message, what it means to live with Christ, However, while these two books are certainly important contributions of Bonhoeffer, They do not fully represent this complex man's theology. During his time, he resigned as a youth secretary for the World Alliance in protest of their failure to speak out for the Jews, helped his twin sister escape Germany, and was forbidden to live or work in Berlin. On November 9, 1938, the Nazis destroyed more than 7,500 Jewish shops. They burned synagogues and sent over 20,000 men to concentration camps murdered 92 Jews, and desecrated hundreds of Torah scrolls. Very few pastors spoke out against these heinous acts of anti-Semitism, but Bonhoeffer was outraged. In his book Life Together, commenting that Christian life is not in safe seclusion, but rather in the thick of foes, he wrote, The kingdom is to be in the midst of your enemies, and he who will not suffer this does not want to be of the kingdom of Christ. He wants to be amongst friends, to sit amongst roses and lilies, not with the bad people, but with the devout people. Oh, you blasphemers and betrayers of Christ. If Christ had done what you are doing, who would have ever been spared? End quote. Perhaps we need to think more today about what Christian life in the public square looks like for us. What does humble, yet courageous, God-glorifying Christian resistance to corrupt governments and unjust policies and faithfulness to Christ look like? The path forward cannot be one of inaction. However, It also cannot be one of haphazard action lacking wisdom. Bonhoeffer's life challenges us to think about these things. More needs to be said about this, but that's a discussion for another time. Life Together, 1938. In Life Together, Bonhoeffer explored what it meant to truly live in Christian community which is only possible through and in Jesus as our basis for brotherly love as adopted into the family of faith. Bonhoeffer saw the Christian community not simply as something a person comes into to run away from themselves, for this would be a misuse of it for the sake of diversion and not really seeking community at all. He saw it as a place of close accountability, encouragement, rebuke, and intercession where God fashions us into his image. Christian community does not allow unemployed members to exist so that each member knows that they are not useless or unusable. He said, quote, only where hands are not too good for deeds of love and mercy. In everyday helpfulness can the mouth joyfully and convincingly proclaim the message of God's love and mercy. End quote. He also recognized the importance of the word, saying, quote, Holy Scripture is more than just a watchword. It's also more than a light for today. It is God's revealed word for all men, for all times. Holy Scripture does not consist of individual passages. It is a unity and is intended to be used as such, end quote. He saw that there is nothing crueler than the type of tenderness that consigns another to his sin. Rebuke is then a compassionate act to call a brother back from sin and a ministry of mercy within genuine fellowship. He called confession to a brother the profoundest kind of humiliation, that it is a dreadful blow to pride. He wrote, why is it that it is often easier for us to confess sins to God than to a brother. We must ask ourselves whether we have not often been deceiving ourselves with our confession of sin to God, whether we have not rather been confessing our sins to ourselves and also granting ourselves absolution. Life Together shows us his devotional thoughts as a leader, as an authentic servant of others towards mutual transformation. This is a good reminder for us today where the church exists in a culture of increasing isolation and assertive individualism. The solitary Christian is an oxymoron and contradicts the image of life we see in scriptures. The Cost of Discipleship, 1937. In The Cost of Discipleship, Bonhoeffer called Christians to abandon the notions of quote-unquote cheap grace and instead hold fast to what he called costly grace. Cheap grace was that view of grace that separated the justification of sin from the repentant sinner who forsakes sin. He says, quote, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate, end quote. Costly grace, on the other hand, is the treasure hidden in the field or a pearl of great price, which one sells gladly all that they have to own it. Quote, it is costly because it costs a man his life and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought with a price. And what has cost God so much cannot be cheap for us. End quote. Bonhoeffer stressed, that when a disciple tries to insist on following Christ's call on his own terms is no longer discipleship, quote, but a program of our own to be arranged to suit ourselves and to be judged in accordance with the standards of a rational ethic, unquote. Bonhoeffer challenges his followers on a higher level of costly devotion, inspiring them to move beyond the comfortable apathy of the prevailing cultural norms. The question then must be asked, what does your discipleship cost you? Bonhoeffer's Costly Discipleship When he was faced with the threat of possibly being drafted into the military service for Hitler's army, Bonhoeffer made plans to return to America. He accepted an invitation for a lecture tour and to teach at Union. However, after he had already crossed the Atlantic, convicted by the struggles of his cohorts against Hitler and facing the possibility that if war broke out, he would not be able to return, he immediately reversed his decision and re-entered the fray. He bid farewell to his friends, saying, quote, I must live through this difficult period of our national history with the Christian people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. Christians in Germany will face the terrible alternative of either willing the defeat of their nation in order that Christian civilization will survive or willing the victory of their nation and thereby destroying our civilization. I know which of these alternatives I must choose, but I cannot make that choice in security." End quote. Bonhoeffer, the spy. Bonhoeffer's brother-in-law, Don Yanyi, was on staff at Abwehr, the Nazi counterintelligence agency, which was one of the primary centers of the resistance that covered up wartime activities and assassination attempts on Hitler. Bonhoeffer became a civilian member of Abur and was exempted from the draft, becoming a double agent of sorts, able to leave Germany and cultivate communication between the resistance and allied forces. He was also involved in Operation 7, a secret plan to smuggle Jews out of Germany. Many were, the, were weary of Bonhoeffer and his activities while he worked as a double agent in Abwehr. He was able to write, travel, meet with people, go to movies, restaurants, and live a life of relative privilege and freedom, while others were put in positions of moral compromise, suffering, and dying. He was thought of as a high-minded moralist, who was unyielding and demanded others to be the same. But had he finally capitulated? The duty to act. Boniface's brother, Klaus and Doniani were involved in the conspiracy to assassinate Hitler. Bonhoeffer had no qualms about it. However, he did not at first become directly involved. His sister in law criticized him for only wanting others to do the dirty work. He carefully considered her words. Eventually, after hearing the atrocities and horrors that the SS were perpetrating, although it never came to it, Bonhoeffer famously said that he would be willing to kill Hitler himself if necessary, making it clear that he was not going to assist in something he was not willing to do himself. However, he said he would first have to resign from the confessing church in order not to implicate others. He eventually would be involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler. He said, It is not only my task to look after the victims of madmen who drive a motor car in a crowded street, but to do all in my power to stop their driving the car at all. Though he was a pacifist at heart, he concluded that withdrawing would amount to cowardice and from where he was standing, could see no possibility of retreat into any sinless, righteous, pious refuge. The sin of respectable people reveals itself in flight from their responsibility. His conviction of the Christian's duty to act is a challenge to us today to consider thoughtfully. Bonhoeffer's criteria for violence as a last resort. Bonhoeffer's criteria for sanctioning as a last resort the use of violence were as follows. 1. There must be clear evidence of gross misrule that will cause irreparable harm to the citizens. 2. The appropriate scale of political responsibility must be respected. 3. All non-violent and legal means must be exhausted first before one considers violent or illegal means. 4. Only the minimum violent force required may be used. 5 there must be reasonable assurance that such extreme action will actually be successful. Political resistance According to Beth, who is one of the most uh, well-respected Bonhoeffer sources, Bonhoeffer's steps towards political resistance were not an abandonment of his previous thinking, but rather an inevitable outworking of that thinking. Merely speaking the truth without action at some point must just smack of cheap grace. Beth explained that mere confession alone inescapably meant complicity with the murderers. Beth said, quote, Though we would preach Christ alone Sunday after Sunday, during the whole time, the Nazi state never considered it necessary to prohibit such preaching. Why should it? And so it became clear where the problem lay for the confessing church. We were resisting by way of confession, but we were not confessing by way of resistance. End quote. After the surrender of France to Nazi forces and the ensuing bloodlust which raptured the German people, Bonhoeffer saw that Nazis would end up ruining Germany not by leading them to unavoidable defeat, but rather idolatrous worship of success. He made a shift from a position of outward opposition to now pretending to be in step in order to resist on a more fundamental level. Many serious Christians could not follow him into this sort of deception, nor did he ask them to. But he saw it as moving past easy legalism of truth-telling to a deep respect for ultimate truth. However, he was well aware of the danger of this idea of quote living truth since quote it arouses suspicion that the truth can and may be adapted to the given situation so that the concept of truth utterly dissolves and falsehood and truth draw indistinguishably close to each other unquote. Such are the complexities of dealing honestly with Bonhoeffer, and, likewise, such are the complexities that we are faced with when dealing honestly with our life as Christians today. Evangelical difficulties with Bonhoeffer This is not the only thing about Bonhoeffer that would make him an uneasy enigma for some Evangelicals. His book, The Prayer Book of the Bible, was written in rebellion to the Nazi regime. He published it without permission, then feigned ignorance afterwards seeing it as obeying God and not man. However, in that book, he linked the Barthian idea of grace, that we cannot reach God by our own prayers, but by praying Jesus' prayers in the Psalms, we could piggyback on them to heaven and be heard. Those in traditions that are used to prayer books and liturgical recitations may have less struggles with this concept. However, it is an idea foreign to most evangelicals who tend to view prayer as as a free form personal and direct conversation with God. However, Bonhoeffer commented that the Psalms filled the life of early Christianity and where they were abandoned, an incomparable treasure is lost. Metaxas's Evangelical Apologetic of Bonhoeffer It is undeniable that one finds more than just traces of liberal theology in Bonhoeffer's writings. However, Eric Metaxas defends Bonhoeffer, saying that many in the theologically liberal God is Dead movement, has have hijacked Bonhoeffer's concept of religionless Christianity and turned it into something for their own use. Metaxas says much of the liberal support is taken from Bonhoeffer's private letters to his closest friend, Beth. and had he known these ill-expressed theological thoughts would have ended up being scrutinized in seminary discussions, he may have been embarrassed. Bonhoeffer wrote to Beth about whether he should share his letters that, quote, I would not do it myself as yet, because you are the only person with whom I venture to think aloud, as it were, in the hope of clarifying my thoughts, Beth, in a lecture in 1967, said that, quote, the isolated use and handing down of of the famous term religionless Christianity has made Bonhoeffer the champion of undialectical, shallow modernism which obscures all that he wanted to tell us about the living God, unquote. However, not all by Metaxas's view on Bonhoeffer, charging that he too easily brushes off the issues. The reality may be that Bonhoeffer never had the time to work out much of this new thinking. Bonhoeffer did make some very troubling theological statements, despite Metaxas's apologetic in his defense. In a Christology lecture in 1933, he claimed that, quote, the biblical witness is uncertain with regard to the virgin birth, unquote. And he also rejected the notion of the verbal inspiration of scripture. He said in his book, Christ the Center, speaking of the empty tomb and resurrection, that we cannot be sure of his historicity due to the ambiguity. Though today, many strong apologetic arguments have been made to confirm the historicity of the resurrection. In the same book, he also wrote, quote, the Bible remains a book like other books, One must be ready to accept the concealment within history and therefore let historical criticism run its course. But it is through the Bible, with all its flaws, that the risen one encounters us. We must get into the troubled waters of historical criticism. It seemed like Bonhoeffer was perhaps trying, as many good scholars must, to wrestle honestly with the challenges that biblical criticism posed while still holding on to faith. Richard Weckart, another Bonhoeffer scholar who sees him as a committed irrationalist with an existential worldview, says that most Bonhoeffer scholars reject the idea that his theology was compatible with American evangelical theology. Bonhoeffer was a complex German theologian who believed in the validity of the higher biblical criticism of his time and praised Rudolf Bultmann's idea of demythologizing the New Testament. Others criticize That Bonhoeffer was not nearly as bold as he is sometimes portrayed to be, and that he didn't indeed shrink back numerous times, citing from his letters and papers from prison to show that he compromised and cooperated with the Nazis. All this to say that Bonhoeffer doesn't fit neatly into what we might call an evangelical mold or even a liberal mold. I believe that Bonhoeffer was a man in process and a man who reflected his times and context, as we all are. Bonhoeffer as Martyr After a Jewish safe house was discovered by the Nazis, Bonhoeffer was implicated as one of the collaborators. He was arrested in April of 1943 and spent the next two years in prisons and prison camps. From a 6 by 9 cell in Tegel military prison in Berlin, he wrote many of those letters to Bethke of his theological reflections. He read books his parents brought to him his Bible and writing. In October of 1944, his friends attempted to liberate him to safety abroad. However, he chose to remain in prison so that he would not endanger others. He was transferred to a Gestapo prison and then to a concentration camp in Buchenwald. in February of 1945. One of his fellow prisoners, Payne Best, said that Bonhoeffer always had an atmosphere of happiness, rejoicing in the smallest life events with an attitude of deep gratitude for life. They were loaded into a van to an extermination camp at Flossenburg. On the way, the van broke down and they stopped at a village where Bonhoeffer was asked to conduct a prayer service. He meditated on Isaiah 53.5 and 1 Peter 1. Then Gestapo agents barged in and took Bonhoeffer away to his court-martial and execution. On April 9, 1945, he whispered to Best as he was taken away, This is the end. For me, the beginning of life. The prison doctor wrote that Bonhoeffer prayed, then bravely and calmly climbed the gallows to be hanged, commenting that in his 50 years, he had hardly seen a man die so entirely submissive to God's will. Conclusions on Bonhoeffer In conclusion, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is not a simplistic figure for either the theological liberal or conservative. He has written some amazing work which inspires deep devotion to costly discipleship and Christian fellowship. God truly can use even crooked sticks to make straight lines. However, in terms of leadership, his life was far from perfect. Yet, under extremely difficult circumstances, he shows us a model of bravery, Christian intimacy, resistance against evil, deep conviction of justice compassion for the oppressed, and honestly wrestling with hard questions. Six years before his imprisonment by the the Gestapo, he had written, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Though they have not found his grave, his memory remains safely guarded in the hearts of those who have been impacted by him. One author writes, He has set a model for a new type of Christian leadership by the gospel, daily ready for martyrdom and death, and imbued by a new spirit of Christian humanism and a creative sense of civic duty. End quote. If he had lived to his old age, perhaps we would have been able to see where he would have landed on various areas of theological controversy. However, instead, we see Bonhoeffer in progress, a bright life cut short, and a man still trying to honestly wrestle with weighty questions of faith and reality. In the midst of one of the most troubling times of human history. Perhaps part of the controversy surrounding him in evangelical circles is due to the desire to view things simplistically. We want to label him as one of us so that we can read his works uncritically and undiscerningly, holding on only to that which is true. But that luxury should be afforded to no one by the thinking evangelical. Bonhoeffer may remain an enigmatic figure to us, however, Perhaps that is part of his appeal and why he continues to inspire and provoke healthy discussion, challenging us today to costly discipleship from well beyond the grave. Thanks for listening to the Theotivity Podcast. If you found this content helpful or edifying, please leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, follow us on social media and consider sharing this episode to help Theotivity reach others as well. Check out Theotivity.com for resources, info on how to support, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter to stay up to date on all the latest content. Until next time, live and create to the glory of God.